Hi friends, Sarah here with a brief disclaimer. You are listening to a podcast about making space for other people as well as for yourself, which may mean that you're going to hear language and ideas and thoughts, not just about life, but about faith that are different than your own. My hope is that you will listen to this podcast with an attitude of space making, being able to hear things that are different from what you may interpret the world to be. It also may be different than how the hosts feel about the world. But again, we are working together to make a little bit more space for each other. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, hello, and welcome to Making Spaces, a podcast about making spaces literally and figuratively for yourself and other people. This is season three. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Heath, and the other co-host is... Josie Jimenez. And Josie, how the heck are you? Uh, I just woke up, so I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're coming into season three with so much energy. You just have, just get ready for it. Actually, no lie, some of my favorite interviews. I'm actually really excited. Yeah. You can't tell because, yes, we are very tired. It has been my parents are in town, which is awesome. They're both vaccinated. Everyone go get your vaccinations. So my parents are in town, which has been awesome, but I am tired. Yeah, it's 930 and I haven't had my coffee, so I'm just normal tired. <laughs> well, is there anything <laughs> uh, new going on? You've been doing a bunch of art shows. Well, not, we keep calling them art shows, but they're like a craft fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's more of the vibe. I've been doing some. I got another one coming up. We'll have three in March, three consecutive weeks. So we'll see how they go. Yeah, you know, just trying to make that money, build that generational wealth, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> People who don't know you may not know that um, building generational wealth has never been a goal of yours. No, not until I married a white guy and all of a sudden... I got to think about that shit. And I mean, as you grow older, you realize, you know, generational wealth is good. Just because we haven't had it in the past does not mean that we can't have it in the future. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, I've been spending all of my, I've been laughing because you've been working on all of your earrings and all this sort of stuff. So we took a month off to sort of work and vision on what season three would be and get some um, recording into the, uh, into the, what do we want to call that? In recordings into the thing can. done into the can thank you that's the word i was looking for you did it you nailed mm -hmm. it um and so you've been working on, i've been doing i've been working on my trailer um which has been so fun but also working on so i have an airstream trailer that i'm redoing to make a space for actually podcast recordings and all that sort of stuff but um today's project that is hysterical is like so the mountings of all the windows uh the guy who owned my trailer before like he for sure murdered people um that's not a joke he actually oh my gosh he actually did end up going to prison for murdering someone and so uh he got a little paranoid in the end there and started like duct taping everything but he also like painted the window shut um so it has all its original windows which is super cool but um, we, my dad and I have spent the last like three days trying to get the paint off of the, these things. But turns out um, now we've done all that, but once we got to the bottom layer, it, they were oxidized. So now we have to do a process mm. of deoxidizing the aluminum. Okay, great, whatever. The only place to get parts to do that are airplane supply stores. And Josie, 
Are you ready to get excited? <laughs> yes. Because yes. we live in Southern California, we can actually, instead of ordering them, go and pick up airplane. Like, it's so funny. The airplane polishing stuff, you look online and it's like, it'll take this long and this much to deliver. Or if you live in Southern California, you can pick. So we're going to go try to do that. What up? I know. And then work-wise, my dad and I uh, changed out the front lights. Uh, Josie, like a month or two, two months ago, was like, hey, you know, our front light is like hanging off and we can just change that. So I finally just decided, okay, um, I'm not preaching this week. Someone else is preaching. I'm going to put a new light out there because I think the way that your community experiences your church, like you don't want it to look like it's falling down. You don't want it to look like you spent majillion dollars on it. I don't know what that is. It's like a billion and million put together because you want it to, mm -hmm. but we want to honor this like beautiful space that it is. And so finally found the right lights for it. And uh, my dad and I went to go put them up and this girl, the little giant ladder fell on her hand, like came down on her hand and like, oh no, it pretty much broke this finger, I think pretty much. And like just nearly tore through it. And I yelled a cuss word really loud. And then I went running around the building because it hurts so bad that um, when I'm hurt, I'm yep. like an animal. I just run. Uh, I don't cry. Mm -hmm. I run. Uh, and so our suite, one of our incredible like trustees of our community saw it on the video and came rushing down to the church. So there is video evidence <laughs> of me cussing uh, real loud and my dad, it happened to my dad too, but it went across the top. So do not use the little giant unless you watch the instructional videos first and you realize that putting it back down all that to say, I've got like chemical burns on my hands and trying to fix the oxidization. And I also have um, it's not really chemical burn, but I definitely like, look at this hand. This is from trying to get all the paint off. And this hand is from yeah. putting up our new light. So things are beautiful. We just caused pain and you've been working so hard on your jewelry and stuff that your hands are all sore. Yeah. They're a little whatever. So, but in other making spaces news, uh, it's the, my hands being messed up has given me time. We're moving soon. We're looking for a house to rent. I've been dreaming up how I'm going to decorate my new house and where everything is going to go and get in the vibes right in my head. Not having an actual space, but just like, hmm, maybe I want a sectional now or hmm, <laughs> maybe I want a day bed or whatever. Ooh, is that fun for you to just like look through all that yeah. stuff? Yeah, um, I dig it only because. Uh, having more space means that I can have more people over when they get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. Um, so it's a dream. Dreaming, you know, dreaming of making spaces. I love that. That's new. I have a Pinterest board about making spaces um, that I've had for years, actually, where I've been helping friends decorate their spaces for years. And then I've actually worked with some clients that way um, where, you know, we used to do mood boards and send them to people and whatever. But instead... I've just had these Pinterest boards. And um, what I didn't realize is if you're on one of my mood boards, you can see all the other ones. So people are like yeah. discovering my like absolute love of like Airstreams from years ago. I started pinning things for Airstreams. I think like whenever Pinterest came out. So it's fun to dream. Uh, and then doing the actual work kind of sucks. So <laughs> sometimes I love doing the work. Actually, <laughs> that's not true. I actually, the funny part was when like yesterday yeah. morning when I was starting to put the lights up with my dad um, at the church, I, my friend and I, we were texting back and forth and I was telling him how much I love doing physical 
projects because most of my work is intellectual. And so I love the physicality of it. And then later I was like, Hey, remember that time I told you, I love this. I hate this <laughs> because I just busted uh -huh. up my hands and I'm in so much pain um, yep. and I can't figure out how this works and whatever. So it is a roller coaster creating anything. As he said, he's like, Sarah, creating anything is a roller coaster always, right? There's the ups and downs. There's the elations. Yep. There's the disappointments. So speaking of that, go ahead. I feel like you were about to say I was something. just going to say a funny story about Ryan doing something for me that I didn't want to do because I was over the building of things. I wanted these frames made into these stands that were sturdy and wouldn't fall over. And so I didn't have time because I was doing all the other stuff for the jewelry show. And so I was like, Ryan, you're kind of handy. Um, can you help me out and put, it's just like stick, stick, bottom stick right just like a basic stand um they were very crooked homie did not know how to screw something in properly he didn't understand leveling oh it was so funny i was like ryan my dad's coming to help us i hope you're prepared for him to make fun of you and he's like i don't know what i'm doing my dad was a software engineer he never taught me how to do anything <laughs> i'm like great and he's like next time i think you should just do it and i was like yeah i think next time i should just do it <laughs> it's it so hilarious. hard it's so hard it's and it's also so great right like we you know ryan is your partner and um there are things that you like to do and things that he likes to do and things that you're talented at and things that he's talented at um i should not ever engineer right. any sort of software yeah i don't know how to do that but i don't know how to level of frame <laughs> I'm your girl. Yeah, exactly. I know how to make things straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, even then, like the science, like the math of everything. So we had to like figure out for putting uh, screens in my windows, we had to figure out like, okay, how many square feet of this certain thing we needed. And it was so funny. My dad looked at me and he was like, okay, it's a one fourth. And I was like, which is 0.25. And he was like, yes. He was so concerned. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we all do what we can do. So speaking of doing what we can do, we are so excited to start this season, which is going to be, like I said, we've got people from, uh, Brenda from God is gray. We've got my friend Halima from Crenshaw ventures. We've got Peter from Bethany kids, Rosecrans ventures, Rosecrans. What did I say? Crenshaw, Crenshaw. Rosecrans, Crenshaw is another street. Rosecrans Ventures. Um, and oh, and she's just incredible, guys. I could listen to her talk forever. Um, so it's going to be an incredible season, but we wanted to start our season the way that I started our first season. We started our second season with the Kevin Garcia. And uh, while we were working on this, we realized we need to give a disclaimer. We are talking to Kevin right after the death of his grandpa. And so um, some of the conversation really gets deep into dealing with grief and death and loss. And um, Josie's also been going through a lot of grief and loss. I think this is a fantastic fantastic episode for those of you who are making space for yourself through grief, or if you yourself um, have someone you're close to who is going through grief, this is a great episode for that. But we want to make sure that you're aware that um, this might be some, I know we're not using the word triggering. What are we using nowadays? What is the space making word for triggering? I don't even know. Um, it's a warning. Trigger a warning. warning is usually yeah. what people say. Yeah, just a yeah. warning. 
It's a warning. Go in with your eyes open, which is a with really a good idea with anything. So uh, Kevin is a um, just an incredible human who works for LGBTQIA advocacy, as well as um, coaching folks through um, dealing with deconstruction and spirituality. And he's a soul coach and um, wonderful. They are a soul coach, just a wonderful, wonderful human with a wonderful, wonderful heart and been friends with me for a long, long time, adopted Josie about a year ago. So uh, Josie's known Kevin for a long time. So I think this is a fantastic conversation, but we wanted to make sure we warned you first. Anything else you want to add before we hop in? Um, no, I guess not. If you, if you, if you hear tears in my voice, which I think you probably will, uh, make no mistake. I'm still a badass bitch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that should have Disclaimer. been a vulnerability warning. Uh, <laughs> gets real in this one. All right, friends, enjoy <laughs> this episode. Stick around after as we uh, share with you where you can find us and our work. Making space for grief, making space to feel yours, uh, to feel the spirit, you know, whatever that is to you. Like, there's nothing there's nothing that can replace that um and whether you need to do that with a therapist as like with a professional whether you need to do that on your yoga mat whether you need to do that meditation journaling community groups i don't know uh you need something you need someone you need to go somewhere and do it and i also i think that you should make like make a ritual out of it like set up you know set up a picture in the house leave some water and spend time with the person Hello and welcome to Making Spaces, the podcast, a podcast about making space both literally and figuratively for yourself and others. I am, I don't know, I'm Sarah Heath and this is my co-host, Josie Jimenez. No hesitation here. I don't know why we like, <laughs> I don't know why I like had to think about who I was. Guys, it's- Who am I? <laughs> who am I? Um, the next human- Who that we're are gonna, you? Who are you? Who wants to know? There's so many questions. Um, the human that we like to start every one of our seasons with is the Kevin Garcia. Meow, meow. <laughs> a friend of the pod, or what do they say? Back, back, back again. Back, back, back again. We wanted to start out our third season um, with one of our favorite people. And we wanted to make sure that that was you, like consistency, right, Jez? Listen, that's the best. Mm-hmm. So our yeah, it really just did work out that way. It's true. Um, but we are really excited. Should we give any sort of teasers about we've put some uh interviews in the can already. Should we preview in, those? Ooh, ooh, in the can, ooh. is that how you say it? I feel like you're making fun of me. No, I I'm I'm saying ooh as in this is exciting. Yeah. Should we well one of them is your friend oh. Brenda? <gasps> mm -hmm. Brenda Murray Davies. From God is Gray. God is Gray on Instagram uh peter from bethany's kids which is a, a really cool organization we have got uh halima from rosecrans uh we have got savannah um from uh it's called the juice, the edit. juice, the juice edit and we've got others that are hopefully going to uh, set up their times i'm really excited about it but we had to start with you kevin of course our question Thank always you. 
that we always start every episode with is this. What is one of your favorite spaces and why as of right now? Because I know it's changed a little bit. Yes, because they <laughs> used to be my co-working space, but there's what co-working space? No one can co-work now. <laughs> So I would say presently my favorite space is um, my meditation space over it. Like it's where um, in my living room, I have my altar set up and my yoga mat in front of it. And I'm going to scooch it over a little bit and I'm actually going to paint the wall accent um, to make it like really set it apart, hmm. make it fancy, give it some depth. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And uh, I'm going to be putting, I'm picking up a table on Sunday, a West Elm walnut finish okay round table um okay. thanks fa thanks facebook we marketplace booze, booze. listen oh, facebook marketplace 137 dollars mm -hmm. Ooh, it sounds get like it, a get it rental place and is it how often do you go to your meditation that sounds like i'm calling you out but how often every morning every morning for about 30 minutes to an hour or so doing meditation and yoga and just it's beautiful. It's got plants. It's got little, you know, my little statues, my little crystals. It's great. And it also just like looks out the window <laughs> to into the neighborhood. So like, it's a cute little thing. Cute time. So this might be, um, I, I don't think it's, nothing's too personal in our friendship, but uh, perhaps a difficult thing to talk about. But in that space, do you still have photos of your um, family members that passed away this year? Yeah, I actually have uh, an ofrenda set up over here. Um, I'm gesturing like the people who are listening to this can see it. Like the camera um, moves. Oh, we don't have camera people. Over yonder. Not yet. Over yonder. <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah, I do. I have uh, my friend to set up over there with my grandparents and my dad and Rachel. And, um, you know, we say, hey, we put out libations, you know. It's um, mm -hmm. it, it for me, having the ofrenda makes grief a lot easier. Um but now because I have like a much bigger space in my house, like the ofrenda is separate from like my yoga altar. So got it. Which like is nice because now I I'm not thinking it. about death every time I'm working on my shit. Yeah, I love that as a Mexican as well. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of an ofrenda. I've mm -hmm. been avoiding it. Um, oh my gosh. Oh. Of my deceased ones. Dude, mm. when I tell you, like, I think it's it's been really powerful for me because it allowed me to just like become okay like it just became like because the grief was coming up a little bit more frequently and it's just like okay it's coming i can see it and then i'm moving away so it's like and also i'm also remembering like i feel like there's a fear of saying like i don't want to forget this person i don't want to forget this person but i also don't want to feel it you don't want to cocoa so, it mm -hmm. yeah and so it's like for me it, it brings it all to the surface so that i can just see it clearly Mm -hmm. and give it some compassion yeah. and then also treat my grandparents like and my family like they're still here and part of like my ancestors and part of my my circle my what do, we, what do they call it a communion of saints if you will oh mm -hmm. actually that is a great so uh josie and i this wednesday did our ash wednesday service um and uh it's interesting because people are like why is mortality you know you said oh i like to work where i can see my dead ancestors death uh -huh. but the truth is is like i feel like the way when we are like honest about mm -hmm. death and honest about like that we're only here for so long mm -hmm. there is this gift in that and i think both of you coming from hispanic traditions do a better job of that i feel like pr the predominant mm -hmm. occasion model is 
act like death never happens. Yeah, that's um, what like that's like whiteness and colonialism. That's what they did. Like it's like we're only like, we only venerate life. We mm. only venerate life and we don't think about death. So like even the saints, like, you know, they're only we only think about their eternal soul. We don't think about the fact that martyrdom happened. Their bodies were destroyed. Mm. Um and then I would say a lot of like for like my for our Mexican heritage, like that um the remembering and honoring of the dead is I think indigenous resiliency shining through mm -hmm. um because mm -hmm. the dia de los muertos and even the the virgin of guadalupe is like in like truly indigenous resilience kind of morphing into the status quo in order to survive um so it's really cool to see and it's also cool now as like an adult like trying to decon like, you know decolonializing my faith um I'm allowed to like see them alongside Jesus as one of my ancestors. It's really Oof. fucking cool. As one of my yeah. ancestors. Oof. Yeah, it's interesting how colonized my parents' faith is because growing up, we weren't allowed mm -hmm. to have skulls or anything. Like back when you're in middle school, you have a little the cute little pink skull with a bow or whatever. Oh that my god, no skulls. Sacrilege. Demonic. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yes. And it's really been a hard time. And my family's been pretty fortunate in not experiencing a lot of death until recently. And I, in therapy, my therapist was like, why don't you want to do with grief? And so I scared her a little bit with like all the little clocks that run in my head, all the little gears. It's like, well, this is connected to this. And if he's dead, then this and this and this and this. And she's like, okay, I understand. But it's like that idea of like, I've never been taught to deal with grief. It's like, mm -hmm. they're in heaven. That's it. You're done. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. They're in heaven. Can I tell you something like weird um, that happened recently? Yeah. So um, my grandfather passed recently since very, very sad times. And my mom, who has always been somebody who I always think, I'm like, I don't know if you actually deal with your grief very well. In fact, I'm pretty sure you don't. And then additionally, but like, it always seemed very, very fast. And I've never really questioned it. And then recently I was talking to her and she said, yep. Um, you know, I had a dream last night and Papa came to see me, told me he was okay. And I just know he was okay. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Like you just take that as truth. She's like, yeah, it's happened every single time somebody passes in the family. I have a dream. Like they come visit me in my dreams. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Are you telling I'm like, mom. She's never told like, you. <laughs> she's never told me this. And I'm just like, okay, now it makes sense because the same thing happens to me. <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, word. Okay, well, maybe I'm more of a medium than I thought. My mom does not have that. She, um, at my cousin's funeral, not to call it my mom because she's a victim of her colonized faith, but sorry, mom. You're not listening anyways. She was hysterical when they went to go cremate him at the end. She was absolutely hysterical. And then my, everybody's like, oh, Ryan's Catholic like, oh, family. mom, blah, blah. And I was like, no, Christian, Pentecostal. So why, yes. what was the deal with, God. what's the deal with burn, burning so she, bodies? It was just the end. It wasn't that it, that it yeah, wasn't it was the creation oh, that was oh, a problem. Oh, it was funny. just like, you know, and yeah. Josie's mom might have a, how am I going to say this nicely? She might have a little bit of a history and you can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> Josie, of taking over moments mm -hmm. experiences center of attention okay mm. you said it which you know <laughs> relatable no no problem understand you are not your yeah, mother not but um, keep going 
right but she was hysterical and my ryan was like oh your mom is really feeling this and i was like nah dude she is thinking that my cousin is in hell and i cannot stand for this and we had this conversation and she did think wait that she thinks her cousin did oh no that's very unfortunate she was worried about it because he didn't go to church and she's like i didn't do my job of saving him and i was like oh no. honey and it was like this conversation that i had had to have with my dad where i was like he didn't like that you guys were judgmental so maybe you know he's the reason maybe he, he was already in church, hell but... maybe he was already in hell i don't know right but then i had to like tell my mom it was that same experience of like maybe i'm a medium i was like mom i have a really uh, like deep peace about my cousin because we had these really insightful conversations before he passed and like he was in a really good spot in his life he had made mm -hmm. amends and he was like at the height of his you know empathy mm -hmm. or whatever and i have peace mom after that she was a little bit more calm but just that initial like hysteria mm -hmm. of, like the evangelical like oh my gosh they're not in hell they're in hell because yeah. i didn't save them i didn't okay. take them to church dead ass when i was a missionary i had a friend of mine who was she converted from judaism to christianity and she said dead ass i know my jewish grandmother is in hell jesus told me jesus told her the jews don't believe in hell so i don't know what you're <laughs> that's my thing i was just Fuck. like and i was just like i don't and I'm sitting here like she and then that's right after she told me this beautiful story about how she reconnected with her grandmother even after she became a Christian. And, but the grandma's in hell. I'm like <laughs> That was the end of it. Damn, dude. And she's like, she's Yeah, I just Jewish. know. What the heck are you talking about? So yeah. here is my So Josie had this question with your dad, right? About like whole conversation with your dad and not to stereotype your conversation with your parents, but oftentimes your dad is the one who's a little more balanced, a little more a little, little more reasonable. Mm -hmm. a little he more heard, yes, he sees some <laughs> nuance. Okay, mm -hmm. he he was able to hold space for. Maybe I don't know all the answers. Maybe it's okay that yes, my dad's very much of like, I believe that. Everybody has one final opportunity, which is very Mormon, right? Like the Mormon idea of like, oh. you, you come to face with God and you only go to hell if you deny him to his face. Um, thanks, Ryan, for the Wait, is that true? Lesson. Mormons believe that we get a, like, yeah. one more chance? Mm -hmm. Most Mormons don't really believe that anybody goes to hell. You have to reject God to his face. Or the oh, sick. I want that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, yeah. I'll borrow that. That sounds great. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like, do you want to come to a yeah. party? And he's like, yeah. And so who would reject a party? Exactly. So my dad's very much in that vein, especially mm -hmm. at my cousin's funeral. We had a beautiful conversation. And then my mother was in hysterics. It was a very fun time for me, you know? Oh. <laughs> Have you Poor in babies. your history, so you knew exactly what he was talking about when he was talking about having like a, a space set aside. Have you in your history, Josie, have you ever had a, a space, a mantle? Cause you've got, you've gone through some oh. losses. Have you ever, mm -hmm. how do you make space for that in your own, both of you? This is a great question. How do we make space for grief and for recognizing and for all these things? This is a great way to start the season, season three, but let's get deep. Let's no, talk about that. But yeah. also like, we, like it's a, I think it's really appropriate too, like with what we've been through in the past year. How Lent many people, like Lent, we're here in the middle of Lent. How many people have died of COVID, including my grandfather, mm -hmm. you know, God rest their souls. Mm -hmm. 
And so, like, it's I think it's absolutely appropriate to talk about grief and death up front because who has not been touched by it? Um, Josie, yeah. do you have any rituals or any any practices around grief, death, etc.? <laughs> Um, it's actually really funny. I was just <laughs> that that initial talking... reaction you had. <laughs> I was just talking to Ryan, uh, my partner. In case anybody doesn't know that, uh, and I was like, I think I need a grief retreat. I think I need to just go away with my best friend and just cry for weeks. Mm. Cause I've been, my cousin died in November. No, it was October. It was a long. I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, but it was, right? it was so her cousin was murdered. It wasn't just like a. And like yes. murdered mm -hmm. in an atrocious mm -hmm. and very public way. He was yeah, run also, over by Yeah, also make sure you put a trigger house. warning on that. Yeah, we will put a trigger warning Sorry, on this episode. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. We got real deep real quick. It was Horrid. incredibly traumatic for me. Yeah. And family drama arises and all this stuff. And so during that time, I was Aunt Josie because all of my cousin's kids in this house. Oh, um, yeah. I'm Uncle They Kevin. only really knew me and Ryan. We were the, like, the people that were interacting with them before this happened. And so I was at this house every day just like being the Aunt Josie. And it was – I was answering all these like big questions and – like, oh, is where's where's my dad? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what your mother told you about heaven. I don't know what's happening. Mm. Um, and so I didn't really have space to grieve then. And so now I just fill my time with not feeling grief, mm. um, working on it in therapy because I think it's just like this downward spiral of I have an, an incredible anxiety around death because mm. of religious trauma. Right, right. Religious <laughs> That's real. Like, you're not the first person to tell me. I have actually a couple of uh, people who I've talked to who would like who actively say, I'm still afraid of the rapture. I'm still afraid oh. of what might happen after I die. Terrified. You and still I'm are, Josie. You still are. You know, yes. I, I think, you know, for Lent, you should give up the fear of hell. I don't even believe in hell. <laughs> Like and yet, I just fear death. Oh, why? That's the thing. I'm not afraid of death anymore, and I think that is, um, I don't know. I, I mean, like chalk it up to a couple different things. I've had a couple lovely metaphysical experiences, um, both completely sober and with the use of psychedelics. Um, dead ass, and so like, it's um. I just, uh, I, I just, I, I don't fear whatever comes next anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, I think it's also because like, you know, I've considered like, you know, if nothing happens, I won't know. So it's like, eh, okay, the yeah. worst that could happen is I will never know what happens. And then of course, like, yeah. it'll be like, uh, you know, Ram Dass said in a recording, someone said like, death is just like taking off a really tight shoe. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I love that. I yeah. mean... I yeah, Josie. When you think about death, what is it that is a fear for you in that? I actually just recently wrote an essay about this that I plan on publishing. But then I was like, "This is kind of dark. I don't know about." Listen, <laughs> also, can we just ask how Josie has so many hours in her day? Because 
this chick gets so much th- and then you just wrote an essay i just recently wrote an essay keep you going. know i'm only i'm only working full-time paying my bills producing content and writing you know and delightfully dark essays and uh helping the church do things and, and also loving my husband podcast, and like you know and having an active sex and life then I you just, know i also wrote an essay <laughs> Oh, also, I have chronic. It's I have a, chronic yeah. illness where I'm in chronic pain. But your mom is right. You have achieved nothing. <laughs> nothing She's, in my life. Anyway, sorry. Worthless. You're making the rest of us feel bad. But keep going. Um. So all of that is avoiding grief and anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, don't. I don't recommend overworking yourself, everybody. It's not great. Nope. But I view death as like this storm cloud that always hangs around me, like this black cloud that sometimes like. It's like this visual is literally like it comes down and it just like overcomes my eyes. This happens a lot when I'm trying to go to sleep. And then it's like this, like I wake up like and then I death. It's like death is my best friend who really wants me and who's like trying to instill this fear in me. So I just keep going. That's what I feel like it is like Mm. this motivator, like your dark best friend who's like, bitch, have you been doing anything or (laughs) interesting? Um, I love that. It's this anxiety. Yeah. And I fear death. I think the fear comes from I don't know what's next and I do have doubts about God like any normal Mm -hmm. person. Like, does God exist? Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down to like, did I live my life pursuing love and God and my neighbor for nothing? Did Mm -hmm. I live this incredibly difficult life of choosing love for nothing? Such an selfish control. No, that was my first like when I was going through my first uh, deconstruction uh, portion was around. Okay, if hell's not real, then what the fuck was Jesus for? And if Jesus wasn't really the son of God, what did Jesus die for? And if hell's not real, does that mean that everyone goes to heaven? Or what if there isn't even a heaven? What if all of this is all just a bunch of shit? And that's like what threw me into like existential crisis of just like, what if? It's mm-hmm. all what and it was kind of like looking back. At the, it was a lot of regret on the first part of my life of just like, you mean I was doing all that for nothing? And because, then. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder if that's because you guys. Um, heaven was the prize. Mm-hmm. And um, evangelical. Yeah, this is talk. this is your, this is what you're going for. Ignore everything that's around you now. It's all about what's next, 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 next. Mm-hmm. So if there's yeah. no punishment, then why was I doing all this thing? It's like the kid who always gets the sticker when they're good, mm-hmm. then they never learn to yeah. just be good for good's sake. And but not even that. Gift. Not even that. Like it's like, no. Like I, I couldn't even see it as that. It's just like, uh, I mean, I was. I basically it was coming to the realization that I was lied to, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, what else have I been lied to about? And oh. so, like, it's and so it's like I was lied to about God. God might not even be real, and yet I have this sense that maybe God or love or spirit or something might be animating this whole thing, and I might want to be okay with it mm-hmm. because what if I'm wrong? And then it's a, yeah. it's a whole to do, and it can consume, you know, especially for those of us for whom like life and death was like, I mean, on Halloween, I went to. Did y'all go to Hell Houses? I was Halloween? in one of those no, without knowing. No, we're not allowed. I oh was in a God. hell house. I was the Do you know what a hell house girl. is? You were the party girl yeah. in the hell house. I was the party girl in the hell house. Wow. I didn't even know what it was. Kai Omega, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love like, that I, you know what I, sorority I was in, by the way. I love that you know that. <laughs> absolutely. Frat boy. Never forget. You know who I was in? 
No, you've, I don't, have you ever told me, were you a Phytol? No. Sigat, baby. Sigma Phi Epsilon. Oh, I did know that because I know your handshake, which you're a balanced man. <gasps> How do you know my handshake? Did I show you when I was drunk? Mm -mm. <gasps> I dated a boy who was a Sigat, and when he was drunk, I learned the handshake. Wow. A betrayer. <laughs> I oh don't care. God. I'm so anti-Greek life here. No, like, okay, the, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The, the person I am now would not join Greek life because at the time... I will say I was really desperate for a friend group and I needed a place to belong and land. Mm. And ironically, though, I had a really positive experience with Greek life because I did too. Greek life taught me that there was no wrong way to be a dude. And they voted me and I was like the Ooh. first I was like the first or second queer, openly queer person to be in my frat. Um, so it was like kind of revolutionary, but pay. also that's pretty much it. Oh, girl, I could. I had to like figure out. I had to finance it. I'm like, girl, I don't have money. I had to ask an older brother who was like <laughs> well connected and wealthy. I'm just like, I know these white boys have money. I sugar daddy. For me, it was a great I experience wish. of being different and yet seeming like you're the same and getting to like help people ask better questions. And my sorority sisters were incredible. And it was a wonderful experience, but let's not talk about that. I was in a hell house. Doesn't matter for <laughs> a Baptist church. Keep going. You were talking about Halloween. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, that's like the images that we had instilled in us as like young people. So it mm -hmm. makes sense. Like our, our bodies are, have been afraid for a long, long time. And so I think the work of, Oddly enough, contemplating death a little bit and contemplating the ideas of like, you know, like energy and like the ideas of energy and as endless love and endless, like changing our minds about what we think is doing all of this. And again, I've also, it's, I think for me, it's those metaphysical experiences along with the psychedelic experiences that have led me based on my experience into saying, I think that whatever is animating this whole thing is wonderful and wants us to have a good time. Wants us to have a good time. No, honestly, like that's the whole thing. I think like, yeah. like the whole, the point is to be happy and the mm -hmm. idea of hell gets in the way of me being happy. So mm. I dismiss it. Yeah. I think that's what death kind of feels like to me. I think I wrote this in the essay, but I'll publish it soon. Don't worry, everybody. Don't worry. Um, in the I, newsletter. I, it was this, it was this concept of like, I live a more beautiful life because I fear something that could take it at any point. Like, oh, like I always the gratefulness for something. Of like, I gotta, mm -hmm. I gotta live now. I gotta love now. I gotta do this now because tomorrow I might not be there. I could crash right yes. now. I could die in a plane crash. Yeah. I could any, at any moment death could come for me and what testament do I want to live in my life? What like ripple do I want to mm -hmm. leave? Like if I'm just a drop in this ocean, how, what do I want my effect to be? Whether or not people mm -hmm. remember my name, what do right. I want people to have? And I think like I that know. is that a totally drive. That is a drive I have for myself. If I'm being honest is, and I think I'm finally to a point where I think that I'm, I'm making the impact I want to on the world, which is why I feel I guess I feel at peace because I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about in The Art of Living how eternal life has nothing to do with the spiritual aspect, but about the fact that, like, 
in whatever way you pass on love, that's how like you live forever. Whenever somebody remembers something you taught them or a way that you loved them, you're living forever. So like this, whenever I look at my grandfather or my grandmother or my dad on my ofrenda, eternal life. How do you, how do we remember Jesus bread and wine every time? Every that time. That bitch has eternal life. <laughs> I just called Jesus a bitch. Uh. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like that's how it's like, you know, in whatever. And so Thich Nhat Hanh was saying like, anytime you do a meditation or you, every time you hear a bell and take a breath and you, th like, and you come back to peace that, in a way that I taught you, I'm living in through you. Well, I was, it's, it's so funny. I couldn't sleep. I've been having a lot of anxiousness. I've got a lot of changes coming up in my life. I'm learning to do things I've never done before. Like just a lot of anxiety last night. Could not sleep. So, so I was reading an article and it's so funny and, Y'all are going to make fun of me at first and then you're not. But um, I read this thing about Paul Walker's birthday. So Paul Walker died in a terrible mm. car crash. He's from here. He died very Do close to here. Do not remind me. Right. No. So my good that was friend. was so sad. I watched the last, like the last scene in the Fast and Furious <gasps> movies that he was in. That's not him. That... It's his brother. I know that, but it's still. It's CGI or whatever. Oh, I'm so sad. Yeah. Well, but the thing that I thought was really interesting is even this year so i guess it's today or so lent all this stuff has been in my head right like exactly what you're saying josie like what are the ripples what are we trying to do and i read i got him you ever gotten like one of those things where you click on one thing and you keep going i read a bunch of people's like things about him and they were all people from the fast and furious franchise but it was also his daughter it was also his friends by the way his daughter's like 21 guys um and he was 40 when he died, which is my age. Um, and I thought, what a beautiful tribute to a human that every year on his birthday, people write things. And they're not just writing like, it was great to be in a movie with you. It's, you changed my life. The daughter even has gotten all kinds of awards for who she is. And she says, it's because of who my dad is. My dad was a beautiful person. My dad was this, I mean, yes, he had a franchise, like all this sort of stuff, but there's more to my dad than most people know. And I think about that, like when we honor, when we think about death, it, it does infect our and affect, infect and affect our work in a way that we don't take ourselves too seriously because we know we're not here forever. Mistakes that we make aren't mm -hmm. permanent mistakes, right? I'm a three on the Enneagram. When I think I've made a mistake, Poor Kevin has to get 17 phone calls, right? Like I just, it's like the worst <laughs> thing ever. I'm just, you know, and then, but if you have this idea, like this work, it's not actually the work that matters. It's what I am, how I am in this world and how mm. I'm showing up and how I'm making space for myself mm. and others and who, like, what mm -hmm. is this life? Because I can't remember who said it, but it's not mm. like what we do that people remember, but it's how we make them feel. Mm. Yeah. And I would also take it a step further. Like, at least what I'm thinking about my own life is like, I want to build something to quote Hamilton. I want to build something that's going to outlive me mm. or outlast me. Mm. I think is what he said. And the most beautiful sermon I heard about this was actually at the Pentecostal church from uh, the pastor's wife on, I think it was mother's day. <laughs> she was preaching, but she was talking about, and it was the most beautiful thing in the world. She was talking about the uh, cathedrals and how, for much of the time, the most beautiful cathedrals in Europe that we look at took hundreds of years to build. And we would also like, we need to talk about how they were built and who built them, et cetera, et cetera. 
um and then <laughs> and, you know colonization etc mm-hmm. and i was thinking um and so now that i'm thinking about it it's just like i don't actually want to like we we, we think that we want to have our life enshrined in some kind of structure after we're gone. We think that we want to do that, but I think it really is more about what like, Thich Nhat Hanh said. It's just like, how are you helping, like, you know, you know, how are you passing on the piece that you learned? And if you're not learning piece, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? I was um, on a mission trip and we were, it was right after Katrina hit and there was this pastor who was amazing and he had passed away and his son who was i think at the time in his 40s had come with us on this trip and we were building and it was great and whatever and he missed a deadline and he showed up late and i was the foreman on it as well as the leader of this mission trip and so he shows up late and he's kind of being a, a dick to me and one of the older guys that was on the trip with us who's one of my dearest humans said to him, uh, he looked at him and he he was talking about how his dad and him, the the guy was talking about how his dad and him were so similar. And Ted looked at him and said, there were hundreds of people at your dad's funeral because your dad knew how to care and love people. He said, I think from now on, you should start thinking about how to have hundreds of people at your funeral, not because you were popular, but because you cared and loved about people and you were respectful to people. You're nothing like your dad. Maybe it's time you started being like your dad. And like walked away. Drag him. (laughs) But it was this moment of like, he said, you think hundreds of people were at your dad's funeral because he was popular. Here's why he was popular. He was popular because of the way that he made every individual feel. And in this moment- Because he was a good ass person. Right, and I think, you know, all of this, why do we have pictures? It's not that we're worshiping the dead. It's kind of a reminder that we, you know, from dust we came into dust we shall return. Come on, Ash Wednesday. We we aren't forever, and that's kind of a weird gift because it helps with the anxiety, I think, a little bit. Like, because I take myself so damn seriously all the time. Like, what I am doing in this moment is so important. No, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not. Um, I'm I'm literally my rule as of late is to follow the rule of ease. If it doesn't feel like what is making and this is like I think like this is something I'm learning from following a lot of liberation theology, following a lot of beautiful incredible like understanding that like we think about like you know, like the quali- quality of life matters is basically what I think I'm trying to sum up. Like the quality of our life actually matters. The quality of my life matters. All of our lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I think that uh, if you have a marginalized identity, it's like you are especially a marginalized identity, especially within Christianity, but like even within everyone with evangelicalism is taught to minimize that at, a, at any cost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for the sake of something later. And mm-hmm. we don't make grief, like grief is not of, like it's like, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's, it's a fear of feeling something. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that making, not to like bring it around, but making space for grief, making space to feel yours, uh, to feel the spirit, you know, whatever that is to you. 
like there's nothing there's nothing that can replace that um and whether you need to do that with a therapist as like with a professional whether you need to do that on your yoga mat whether you need to do that in meditation journaling community groups i don't know uh, you need something you need someone you need to go somewhere and do it and i also i think that you should make like make a ritual out of it like set up you know set up a picture in the house leave some water and spend time with the person i this is something i taught my uh, one of my clients recently who lost her father i'm like put a picture up and she started as soon as i told her to put a picture up she started crying i'm just like i know that this is going to be uncomfortable and i want you to do it anyways put a picture up light a candle maybe put out something that he liked to drink or just like well he was an alcoholic so i'm just going to bring him water because i don't want to contribute to his alcoholism <laughs> in the afterlife and i'm like <laughs> that's valid that's like, valid yeah as i'm what i'm hearing I, um, it's really interesting oh sorry joe go ahead i was gonna say it's interesting my cousin and i fought all the time we <laughs> <laughs> he was a really feisty one that one uh, he allegedly was a Trump supporter, but I think he's just trying to be a contrarian. We talked about it a lot, but he always um, was when I would bring over my my his sister would like to go through all of my earrings, like look at them one by one, and he would sometimes sit there and be like, "You need to up your game. Like we need to figure out how to make this shit better." And every time, like I figure out a new way to make things better, I like think about like him sitting next to me, like saying, "Like yeah, that's right. You better be making that shit better." Um, it's funny how like those little things in the in the before life can really come back when they're in the afterlife like connecting with you like yeah dude use a fucking dremel like what are you doing or right glue that shit better or whatever it's, it's like, like honestly oh, go ahead i was gonna say making space for death makes space for life it feels like yeah because you're mm -hmm. not fucking sad about it it's just like yeah it's like i'm not trying to it's part of it yeah it's like i don't have to like be like we don't have to be weird about the fact that we lost people like death is only weird because people are weird about it Ooh. like death is so natural <laughs> it happens every day but like we don't like and like people just don't know how to deal with it you know how you deal with it you fucking cry about it you know how you deal with it you uh tell your friends how fucking sad you are about it you mourn and then you mourn some more and then you go to work and then you go to church and then you like, you know, shake your ass and then you, you know, hook up with somebody and smoke some weed and you cry about it some more. And then you get over it. And then two months later, you see something that reminds you of your dead dad and you burst into tears again for no, mm -hmm. for no apparent reason. And guess what? Yep. Then you keep going to work and then you hang out with your friends again. Well, like maybe not right now, but like post COVID time, maybe on Zoom, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. call your friends on Zoom. But that, like, grief is such a, like, grief is a lovely dance partner. They're fine. They're here for a while. It doesn't feel great at first, but just, like, if you want to feel better faster, learn the dance. Mm -hmm. Dead ass. Yep. Find your rituals. Establish yeah. them. Mm -hmm. Learn the dance. And then do it. And then once you know the first one, like, there's, like, every time there's a variation, but you know the basics. And so you can always move. Every single time death comes, it will hurt badly. And you will know how to move through it. Because Damn. you moved through it instead of just avoiding it, which is what my background culturally does. And why every white person I know who went and saw Coco lost their mind. Lost their mind. Oh my gosh. Because, Coco for me, you know, same, was just... Oof. It was an opportunity for them to admit that for so long they've avoided the truth. 
All right, friends. So. Goddamn. This has been a good one, guys. This is what. Wow. We didn't season know three. that season three off to a good start. You better make space for the deep shit, bitch. Eh, I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. Sure. Whatevs. Um, so, yeah. Kevin, what is one way that someone can make space for themselves or others as we close out this amazing time together? Take a fucking nap. Honestly, if you're tired, <laughs> take a nap. You know, people are just like, oh, I need to prioritize rest. Take a nap. Take a nap when you feel tired. Mm -hmm. If you have the space to do that, obviously, if you work like a nine to five, that sucks. But just like build it in. I had a friend of mine for who builds in at 1 p.m. every day from one to two. Phones off under the covers. Siesta. Reclaim it for yourself. All right. Um, mm -hmm. I usually. Yeah. So nap more. That's my thing. This has been a lovely episode already. Um, I'm so glad to do this with two of my favorite humans. Um, Kevin, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet at thekevingarcia.com, across social media at thekevingarcia. My book is called Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Theology and Reclaiming... Wait, yeah, Undoing Toxic Beliefs and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority. That's the title of the book. And you can get that at badtheologykills.com. And um, I'm single. And so if you are a man-ish kind of person who Looking. likes man-ish kind of people, yeah, you know, you're kind of a dude. You know, you don't have to be strictly a dude because I'm not strictly a dude either. Um, slide into my DMs, honestly. Shoot your shot. Um, somebody actually did shoot their shot one time, and I said, thank you so much. That's not what I'm looking for. Okay. It was it, it was pretty explicit, and I kind of liked it, but I was like, that's not what I want. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me. I love you. That's it. All right. So, Josie, uh, how can folks get a hold of us? And I've got news. We are at 192 followers on our Instagram. And once we get to 200, we are raffling off a Maker's Box. But where can people find us? And what the hell is a Maker's Box? <gasps> breath and you can find us at makingspaces.com you can find us on instagram at making at making spaces podcast you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash making spaces podcast which is where you can sign up to get a quarterly makers box for 25 dollars a month uh they go out january april august october and i don't know something like yeah, that quarterly they go out quarterly yep um, and in those, you get swag, you get tools, you get fun stuff. You, this last quarter was an apron, like a cool denim apron, so and cute. a multi-tool. Prints, stickers, whatever you we put in there. Um, so at 200 followers, it's cute shit. We'll get into it. This comes out. Yeah, yeah. We will be raffling it off to one of our followers on the list. So all you have to do is follow us. No That's other it. terms and conditions apply. <laughs> and if you want to find me, I'm at Rev Sarah Heath. And if you want to find Josie, it's at Josie Takes the World on Twitter and Instagram and um, Facebook. But don't go to Facebook because people are super mean to Josie on Facebook. And I don't like it. And I get real motherly. I love it. Uh, I live for I the drama. Bring until, it on. Let me until burn then, your... friends. Oh. Wait, what? Oh, I was going to like, I was going to strike Josie's um, enemies with a hex, but then um, you started doing your outro. So I'll stop and let you do that. Okay, but just remember, <laughs> they will still strike you with a hex. Um, until then, uh, we'll see you next week where we will be. Saving a space for you. Bye. Bye.